0: Hey, y'all. Today we have Sarah Cowart. I'm excited Sarah's here because she's from my hometown. And just to show my age, I used to babysit Sarah, not much because I, I don't think I was that much older. But anyway, I did babysit her. So I was thrilled when she reached out and she said, I think I'd be a good candidate for your podcast because I've, Sarah, you quit your job, you sold your house, and you took a big old leap. I did.
1: leap.
0: (laughs) so Sarah tell
1: us what you were doing before you took your big old leap yeah so I spent about 10 years working in college athletics as an academic athletic advisor so basically that means I worked one-on-one with college student athletes as they navigated the day in and day out of college and what they wanted to be when they grew up and all of their academics so as you can imagine I was just kind of like Sometimes a second mom, but then That's also what I was going to say, of the, like a babysitter yeah. slash school counselor, therapist. Yeah, so all the things. And, you know, really part of my job too was monitoring like the NCAA regulations of academic oh. stuff. So there was a lot of ins and outs of it, but that's what I did for most of my career. And then as I was kind of making a shift, I actually spent a year working in corporate America. And really? Like right about the time that I decided, hey, it's time- it's time to make a big jump.
0: Okay, hang on. I got to go back to being the academic advisor. That's what you called it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what made you say, I really want to be an academic
1: advisor? Were you a college athlete? Yeah, so I played soccer for a couple of years at a junior college. Okay. Um, but I actually didn't know that I wanted, I didn't know that that role existed. Yeah. Um. And it kind of started with, you know, my peers growing up, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh-huh. I didn't have an answer. You weren't like academic advice. advisor. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I never had an answer. You know, do you want to be a teacher? Do you want to be a lawyer? Do you want to be a doctor? Right. I could never answer that question, you know, and when I was in junior college and, you know, you had to kind of pick a major, uh-huh. It was, you know, before all the classes were online, we had books, you know, I thumbed through the book and I said, well, look, I can graduate in two years if I get a degree in education. Yes, I did. Um, then I moved, finished my degree at Auburn, and I became a teacher. Were
0: you thinking you wanted to be a teacher or you really just did it because you saw that you could finish fast and get a job and have summers off? Yeah, that's exactly it. It was
1: one <laughs> of those things where I said, well, I'll teach if I can coach. Yeah. And I knew that that was an option. And I knew that there people are looking for soccer coaches and That's I true. figured I could be a classroom teacher. I could teach coach soccer yeah. and all the things, but my last semester of college, I struggled with truly finishing school. Because uh, that's I, probably because that's not what you really wanted to do, I, right? Well, I knew I wasn't made to do that. Yeah. I knew I wasn't created to be a classroom teacher. I loved being a coach. You know, when the bell rang in the afternoon, I got out on the soccer field and we were doing that. I loved coaching. I love the mentor aspect of things, but uh-huh. I felt, I felt stuck. I, there was yeah. something that just didn't feel right. And I had an amazing college mentor that I spent so much time with. And I was actually at her house with her and her husband one Sunday afternoon and we sat down and he just said like, we need to write the pros and the cons about this. Like, you know, God has created you to do something really special. Uh-huh. Like, what does that look like? And that's when I decided to go back to grad school. And when I was in grad school is when I learned about this position of being an academic advisor in college athletics. Okay. I I can see how
0: that fit with what you wanted to do. So you loved coaching, you loved mentoring. And did you spend any time teaching or you went straight from your last year to the master's program?
1: Yeah. So I spent about two years in the classroom. And then once I left that, I went into the master's program, but I still taught. I was always teaching, whether it was a graduate assistantship or even when I was in college athletics, I always taught what we called a freshman seminar class that helps student athletes transition into the world, you know, the world of college. And how do you manage all the things, manage yeah. your workload and life and athletics, all of this. So I loved that I got to do everything. All but the but you
0: didn't love teaching.
1: Right. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> love that it was an all, I love teaching. But what I found out is I loved the mentoring aspect of things. Gotcha. And I love the fact that I could teach. I could be in front of these kids and be in front of these college students and really see them grow and develop into these amazing adults Uh and do some really, really incredible things. Yeah. I think what really stuck with me is that I struggled so much Uh to identify what I wanted to be. I had such an amazing opportunity. To sit in front of these kids who are eighteen to twenty-two years old, and when they walked in my office and I said, "Okay, like, what do you want to be when you grow up?" Yeah, they would look at me go, "I have no idea." Okay, yeah, awesome. Let's figure this out together. Okay, and that was probably the coolest part about it. This is all making
0: sense now. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, so I can see why you love this. And I have a friend who loves working with college-age students, and she's kind of the same way. She loves their energy. She loves that they're like just starting to spread their wings. And so it sounds like you found the perfect job, (laughs) the perfect career. So
1: then what happened? Well, you know, it's one of those things when you get to work in college athletics and you get to work with college students, you end up working about 70 hours a week. and not more. Really? Because in my role, you know, recruits are coming onto campus and I'm meeting with them on nights and weekends, I'm meeting with students all the time. And you're kind of on call, you Mm -hmm. know, college students don't really have an off button. And, you know, they kind of text you at two in the morning when they're doing their homework and they're kind of doing stuff. And so there wasn't a lot of, you know, downtime. And mm-hmm. what I really got to see is that I was just at a pivotal point in my life where I needed to start making some changes for myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the time I was still living in Pennsylvania and, you know, that's a quite far away from home yeah. where, you know, we grew up in South Georgia and I was missing holidays
0: and yeah. that was,
1: that was really starting to weigh on me. And yeah. so I wanted to find and just find a different option to where I could still kind of do all of the same things and still make a great impact. We're still enjoy a lot of the freedoms that, yeah. that I'm looking for.
0: Yeah. So you started to feel like I have no life. The life that I have is with college students and I'm at their beck and call and probably the parents too. Right, Sarah? Like, was it kind of yeah. like? Dealing with in pediatrics, we always say the parents are the main, like they're the ones, you know,
1: what's so great about our college students, you know, once they come to turn 18, like, especially in the world of academics, you know, we, they're in charge of that. So it's only, I would kind of only kind of be dealing with our parents in the recruiting process. Okay. But I mainly would deal one-on-one with our students, you know, if we needed to bring in the parents, always told the students they would be involved too, because it's their story. Yeah. And so I wanted them to kind of be aware when we have those conversations with their parents.
0: Did you? i will just um, thinking of all the questions I want to ask you. Did you have any situations where you had to go bail somebody out of jail? <laughs> oh, <No>, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm picturing an academic. Or what about the football team? You know how, like, they may not have great grades, but they're like, we have to have little Johnny play
1: football this Saturday. Yeah, did you have start- any
0: situations like that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's so interesting is sometimes you hear those that sometimes you hear those situations are like, oh, what did that look like? And, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you, you know, the programs that I worked for and the things that I were involved with, like that never happened to us. Gotcha. And those were the things that we, you know, if the kid was ineligible, they were ineligible. And then they said, and our guys knew that. And yeah. our guys knew that that was that was the consequence of them not doing their work and not doing what they were supposed to do. And they just had to work that much harder the next semester, that much harder, you know, the next academic year to get themselves eligible again.
0: So it's really, you did love the job. It was just a matter of you needed a better way of life.
1: Yeah, and you know, and that was the kind of thing. And what started happening is I would start to hear from parents during recruiting visits, I would ask them questions or share information with them. And I would always get a response from them of like, well, we didn't know or ah. how are we supposed to know that information? And, and the more I kept hearing that, the more I thought, gosh, there's gotta be a way that we get this information into the hands of parents sooner. Like you know, what were I, they, what were they saying they didn't know, like about scholarships and stuff? Oh, well, it would be about like the NCAA rules and regulations would be ineligible to play Division oh. 1 sports. like say their kid missed the deadline on certain classes or their GPA wasn't high enough. Okay, And, you know, those are things that we could really work through prior to those campus visits. And, you know, I had to tell, there was a couple of times I had to tell kids and their parents. I'm sorry, like, you're not going to be eligible to play somewhere else. And, and that just didn't sit well with me.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you knew that you knew the information, but the parents weren't getting the information. So then you saw a gap in the market, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was just a gap in the system of like, how could we better inform parents? How could we better inform these students to make sure that they are given all the opportunities that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what kind of led me to like this next piece of how do I kind of get unstuck? How do I kind of move forward and still make a big impact but do it in a way that I'm still serving the people the best that I can.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you had this idea, sounds like it was like a little seed.
1: I mean, it was, it was yeah, I was a little seed that kept <laughs> growing. And and that's kind of when like I, I left college athletics and I you know worked in corporate America for a year because there was it was just it's set in there that seed was just kind of hanging out and I was thinking okay I've got to figure out a way to do this um, and I needed time I needed a little bit of time okay. to figure out how to make it work and it's you know funny I was actually back home in South Georgia walking around the neighborhood and you know. And it hit me. I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is what I'm gonna do." Like, I actually uh, need to launch my own like company. Like, oh my I gosh! Be, like, I need to be able to provide these resources myself.
0: Oh, I, I mean, I can't imagine that. So, how did you feel? Like, did you like, did you get like,
1: ee! <laughs> yeah? I mean, it was definitely like, goosebumps. Like, you know, I walked back into my parents' house and shared with them. Of course, you know, blank stares of like. Okay, how's this going to work? What's this going to look like? Um, Are you really going to do this? And because I knew, I knew I could help solve the problem. Yeah. I knew that I could get the information out there in a way that parents could digest it to understand it. And then they could be in charge of that. And they could, because if you think about it, you know, our high school counselors, our coaches, there are thousands of kids that they are. Dealing with one on one every single day. Yeah. And to be able to take away that time to work with those, you know, 10% of those kids who are wanting to play college sports, they don't have that kind of time. Yeah. So if we can take that pressure off of them to say, here's the solution. Yes, and that alleviates the problem where they can focus their energy somewhere else. It also
0: empowers the parents in a way, because I already like even thinking about college, Eli's 13 and I, my stomach is like, what, how do I do? Like, I just get nervous and he's not very athletic. Sorry, Eli. <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither one of us handed down those jeans, but if he were athletic, um, yeah. I can't imagine like navigating all that and trying to figure out all the requirements, but I'm impressed that you had the idea and I probably would have sat on it for like years and maybe not even told anybody. And you just went right inside and told your parents and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was,
1: it was just, well, and I, you know, it's one of those things I had had started at that time, really diving into like some self-development and Really had discovered at that moment that I was an Enneagram 9 wing one. And so, I, what I know about myself is that at first it takes me a long time to process something. Yeah. And I have to think about it for a while. But if I'm not careful, because I do lean very much into my one wing, of perfectionist, I will wait for a very long time till it's really done right. Yes. And I knew if I didn't speak it out loud, that I wouldn't do anything about it. Yeah, that's true. And so, and so I had to say something because then I knew I had to be held accountable for it.
0: Yes, I, I like that. So if you've never done an Enneagram test, there are some free ones online. I'll try to put a link in the show notes. But um, what Sarah is talking about is this personality. Um, it's kind of like a strength finder slash personality thing, but you take a test and it, At first, you're like, oh, this is woo-woo. It's like being a Sagittarius. I don't know. Does it mean anything? Isn't it random? But once you read through your number and it goes over like how you behave in relationships and your work and what makes you mad, what makes you tick, what lights you up, and then you're like, ah, now I know. And so I like that you knew that you would sit on it forever if you didn't immediately
1: take a little action step. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where I knew if I had like went ahead and shared a little bit about it, I would be able to go ahead and start, you know, thinking, okay, what's the next step? How could I make this work? What's something I could do about it?
0: And when you were in corporate America and you took that job, did you take it knowing it was not your forever job? You just took it because you needed like to step away
1: yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those moments of where I knew it was, it was the next step to something. Yeah. I didn't really know what that, like the further step was going to be, but I had to make an action on something
0: uh-huh.
1: and that allowed me. And, and I think this is something to think about is we're in those moments of being super, super stuck. A lot of times we're really, really stressed Yeah, and when we're carrying a lot of stress. It doesn't give our brains the, just the ability to relax and think. Mm-hmm. and what that allowed me to do is the moment to really dive deep into who i was and you know i was really like listening to different podcasts and uh, you know there's some great books that i was reading you know donna miller's book i'm scary close is really really good and that I helped me, donald you miller you know helped me really kind of focus in on some things and then also i went to a conference with bob goff his dream oh, conference i love um, him and that was the other kind of step that really helped confirm what I was doing was like the next best thing. Yes. And so I think like when we are so overwhelmed, we don't have time to dream. Mm-hmm. But if we are able to take just a small step in the right direction, to give our brains a little break, then we're able to start saying, okay, what's this vision? What can I actually do? What's the gifts mm-hmm. that I and what's the impact I
0: Yes, that's so powerful. And and I like that you were talking about energy. Like when you're so caught up in a job that's sucking the life out of you or even if it's not but you're just stuck, you're putting all your energy into that basket and you don't have any leftover energy to figure out what your next step is. And like you said, you feel so overwhelmed when you're stuck. You can't vision like, "Oh, I would love to be, you know, Owning my own business, like you weren't in a place to even
1: think about that. It sounds like. Yeah. No. And and what's so funny is it's one of those things when I'm working with students one on one, I tell them all the time. You know, time management is not managing your time. It's truly managing your energy. And I think a lot of times we get those two mixed up, even as adults and professionals, because when you think about it, when we go, okay, I'm going to sit down and work on a project. We don't work on that project when we're at our lowest point of our energy. Mm-hmm. We always want to work on that project when we're our highest point of energy. So it's the same thing I work with my students on is finding where is their most valuable yeah. energy time slot to complete those projects. There's papers, there's assignments. It's the same thing that applies when we're stuck and we're yes. finding out where our next move is.
0: Oh, that's good. I'm going to have to chew on that a little bit. (laughs) I'm definitely most, my my energy is highest at like 5 a.m. I get up at 4.30. But yeah, I may not be utilizing that energy slot appropriately. So that's good advice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, again, I think that that's something we forget about ourselves because we can tell that all day, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we don't do with all the things that we suggest in our professional lives—that's true. Yes,
0: yeah. Four thirty is not the right time to be on
1: Facebook. Hope. Get away from social media for a second.
0: Yeah. Okay. So back to you. Were in at your parents' house. You told them, and then how long did it take before you were like, "I'm quitting
1: my job"? It was probably about six-month window okay but it fully came to fruition um because that was probably in the spring early springtime, and then I officially like made the move that later that fall how um, long ago it, was this it would have been in 2019
0: okay so you you quit like right before the fall before the pandemic started I started a business the fall before the pandemic. Good timing. <laughs> <laughs> Although, aren't you glad you're not dealing with college athletes? Like, you know, it has
1: been an right absolute now? blessing to be where I am. And I am and so grateful that, you know, even though in the pandemic, I have learned so much. Um, and it, I mean, it's really like taught me a lot and it's helped me grow and who I am, not even like professionally, but personally too. Um, but it definitely was, I mean, It was probably about six months from the time that like it started. And then of course, you know, putting my house on the market, doing all that kind of stuff. So I would say it was springtime of 2019. And then uh, it made the move that fall of 2019. And did you actually move? You were living in Pennsylvania. Did you leave Pennsylvania?
0: I did. Yep. So I moved to Alabama. Okay. So you sold your house and you were like, I need money to start this business. Yeah. And <laughs> Sarah, right. how did everybody, I quote, quote, unquote, everybody, because we know that really everybody, you know, is usually five people. <laughs> right? right. But how did everybody behave when you told them you were quitting your job, selling your house, moving
1: to Alabama? I would say it was probably 50-50 split. Um, you know, a lot of people were really, really excited. They knew this was something that it was something I was dreaming of and they were super supportive. Um, there were probably a couple of people who were like, what in the world are you doing? Are you sure this is something you want to do? Yeah. Um, you know, I, but I, for the most part, I would say everybody was like really, really supportive. Um, and I don't think anybody, as far as I know, if they didn't tell me, <laughs> to yeah. my, hey, they didn't tell me to <laughs> my face that they were like, oh, this is going to totally fail. This yeah. is like the dumbest mistake you've ever made. Um, But I think that they were just like shocked that, oh my gosh, you're actually doing this. Yeah.
0: Are you really type A with like, did you have a business plan and like a budget with an Excel spreadsheet and all this? Or were
1: you more like, oh, it'll work out? (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's where, you know, even though I'm a nine with with a wing one, I think there's some of it where it is thought out a little bit. Um, But I do lean into my nineness to where I'm like, you know what, this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome and yeah. it's all going to work, but it's going to take time. And so yeah. I think that it's a little bit of both to where some things are planned out and some things I'm like, it's just going to either happen or it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. I can tell your energy though, when you're talking about what you're doing now, like your real high energy. And when you were talking about the corporate thing and the long hours <laughs> with the other job, it was yeah, totally, it was a totally yeah. It's,
1: I mean, there's definitely, I and I was actually speaking with a friend about this about a week ago. And, you know, she shared with me, you know, she's like, I, she, she even stared. She's like, I just, I feel this jealousy that of the freedom that you have. And she's yeah. like, it's not that like, I, she's like, I don't want to claim that it's jealousy, but she's like, I know I could have a life of freedom. Yeah. But the sacrifice that I have to give up.
0: Yes. That's and, just, that is the trick is you do
1: have to give up the security. Right. And that's what I told her. I was like, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I gave up is like the security of that paycheck rolling in at the last day of every month is now gone. Yeah. Uh, But I also knew that that's okay. And I think that's the one thing as soon as I made, as soon as I was okay with that, I knew it was the right time to make the jump.
0: Yes. And so with this, like you have high energy and you're, I assume you're drawing people, parents towards you to so they right now your businesses that
1: parents or students can hire you. Yep. Yeah. So I have a couple of different avenues of what I do. So I have um, on my academic coaching side, I work one on one with either college students or high school students, and we will work through either their time management skills, study skills. Oh my or my gosh, anything, that's huge! Anything, yeah, anything that they're doing, we will do a one on one session either once a week, every other week you know, throughout the whole entire semester or just one at a time, either, or kind of what they want to do and work through all of those things that maybe are just not working well for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of part of it. And then on the other part of that, I work one-on-one with parents and students of high school kids who really have this desire to play college athletics but maybe they are missing the mark on what are those eligibility markers that they need to know? How do they know, like, are is their student eligible? Um, and I will actually do a transcript evaluation of their current high school transcript to let them know, like, yes, you'll be a division one qualifier or no, here's how you can fix it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: kind of a two-fold process of what they what services they can get but say a parent comes and their student wants to be a college athlete but they're really struggling in high school right now then we can work through all of those academic skills to get them college ready okay and it's kind of moving in that direction or maybe they're not a college athlete but they're still struggling in college then i have services that i work with them and right now we're doing it all virtually Um, Thank goodness for like Zoom, but that's something that we can still do. And we just started off this semester here. And so we've had some students are really rocking well this week, getting ready for a great semester this spring.
0: I feel like you're sitting on gold. This seems like such a good idea. And do you also, um, like, let's say somebody is, (laughs) I had a a patient and she said, I knew my I got a divorce. I knew my kids were going to need scholarships. So I researched um, which sports they could potentially get scholarships
1: in and it turned out it was pole vaulting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what's so interesting about like the athletic scholarships for division one sports is, you know, there's what we call headcount sports and then like non-headcount sports. And so those headcount sports are the ones you can only get full rides in and yeah. then the other ones you get partial or full rides. And so what, one of the things that I've developed is I actually have an online course that walks parents through the beginning to the end of that academic recruiting process for college athletics. That is genius. Yeah. So that, and that, that launches a few times a year. And so that'll actually be launching in the next few months uh, where parents can, and that all of those resources are just online for them and they can grab all of that and they don't really have to have, you know, anything Mm -hmm. going back to like to call somebody, but it's all right there in the online portal and it's at their fingertips and it's me, you know, online telling them exactly what they need to do step-by-step yeah
0: I'm so impressed I mean you built a business you had to learn how to do these online courses you had to build
1: a website you had to yeah have you learned to be techie I have had to learn to be techie I've learned a lot of things in the last year and a half yeah a lot yeah
0: and um you so is this your sole business are you also doing are you having to supplement it with some other things so
1: I I, (laughs) I would love to say that this is carrying me through um but you know hope you know I'm a single single lady here that's paying all the bills and so I do have a couple of different what I like to call side hustles that are helping me kind of move things through and that that keeps me up and running.
0: Yeah. Sarah and I were laughing about, um, tell them about your
1: side hustle. That's at three 30 in the morning. (laughs) I actually teach online early in the morning. And so that helps me get up and get going. And I'm able to teach some kids across the ocean and that, you know, it's really enjoyable. And I tell you what, they come with the energy first thing in the morning. So you cannot help, but to be super excited and have all this energy from three 30 to eight o'clock in the morning.
0: But I love how you're making it work. Even though teaching is not your number one passion, you're using it right now to bridge a gap. Yeah. yeah making oh, it work.
1: And yeah, it's totally, that is the number one thing is where I look back and see all of these skills that I've learned or the things that I've developed over time. They are exactly what I need when I need it. Yes. And they've come like, it's come to fruition and it's been the things that have like carried me through. Uh-huh.
0: Exactly, and that Bob Goff comes uh, not concert conference that you
1: went to. What is the name of his book? That well, he has he's had a book that just came out is called Dream Big, and yeah. it's um, based off of his conference of the Dream Big fang- framework, which is what I went to. But his number one book that I read um, was Love Does. Yes, that's what mm-hmm. I couldn't think of. Yeah, that's yeah. a good book, y'all. Yeah, and that's the one that kind of had got me spinning and got me thinking because you know he like his. His number one job that he had for many years was an attorney, but he was kind of in that same spot of where he was working hundreds of hours a week and was desiring something more. Yeah. And And that's when he started building schools in Uganda.
0: Yeah. Just an amazing story. And yours is too. You're going to write a book one day, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I also wanted to ask, do you surround, so being a single lady, like who is your support network? Have you found other business women in the, in your area, or do you have like a. I don't
1: know. Yeah. So I actually have a couple of online business communities that I'm a part of with, I'm a business coach that I work really closely with. And, you know, I find that through that I've made some really great friendships who people who support me and what I do and hold me accountable to just like these big dreams that we all have. But then I have really close family and friends who know the passion and the mm-hmm. vision that I have for this company to where they they push me through and they, they continually check and say like, Hey, how are things going? What can we do? You know, how can we pray? What, what are the things that we can do to support you? Mm-hmm. I love
0: that you have the business coach because even though, I mean, you're getting up at three 30 to teach kids in China. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly you're not, you know, you're not on an unlimited budget, but you're investing in it. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we have to put that energy and money is energy too.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and I think that's, you know, when you believe in something like it's, it's about believing in yourself because mm-hmm. if you believe in yourself, then that's going to be like the next step to kind yeah. of take you to that next place. So a
0: lot of us end up in, um, passions or businesses w- that would, ha- that would have helped us a few years ago when we were stuck, like a podcast. I mean, that's, this <laughs> I was telling Sarah so often when people are talking and I'm interviewing them, I'm like, yes, I needed that. And so what would you tell yourself a few years ago if you could go back and give Sarah four years ago some advice, what would you
1: say? Gosh, that that's a hard question. I think it's one of those things that you know I would tell her to dream bigger. Yeah, but like, to think beyond the walls of like where she was living or what she was doing. Yeah.
0: I could see that because when you're in a job, like I was talking to another um, lady in healthcare and she was saying, um, I mean, I guess I could go do the same thing I'm doing at another office, or I guess I could move to another town and do the same thing. And you could have done that with your uh, academic advising you could have been like well I'll move to Auburn and I'll be an academic advisor but mm-hmm. instead you
1: you did dream big yeah yeah and I think that's where you know and that was the question that I continually got when I was working in college athletics it's like what's your next move yeah you know, I had already made it to I was working as the assistant director in one of our academic centers you know at Penn State and they were like well what's your next move and I didn't have a next move yeah So this is, this is where I am. And I think that's where, when that question started coming up, I thought, gosh, okay, what would be that next move?
0: We should all ask ourselves that. What is your next move? Even if you're like, I'm retired or I'm, um, you know, a stay at home mom, we should all ask ourselves like, what is your next move? Kind of always be looking at that next step. How can we make ourselves grow?
1: Yeah. Cause I don't think, and it's not, and it doesn't have to be a big move. It doesn't have to be it's something that's like super major. Yeah, It could just be simply like, okay, my next step for today is, I mean, I'm going to go walk with a friend or I'm going to mm-hmm. like go take food to a neighbor. Like it's the simple things that are going to take you to that next big dream or that next, you know, big step.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, how can people find you? Because I know some people who have kids in high
1: school are going to be like, give me her number. Yeah. So I am embarrassingly easy to find on either social media or on the website. So it is um, sidelineconfessions.com. And then I'm found on Instagram at sidelineconfessions and then on Facebook at sidelineconfessions, Auburn.
0: Yes. And I'll put links on my show notes. So y'all check it out. And Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I had so much fun talking to Sarah. Here are her take-home points. Number one, if you're struggling to find the energy and motivation to finish something, like Sarah was with her teaching degree, dig deep and ask yourself if it's really what you want to do. Number two, God created you to do something very special. It's worth spending time contemplating what it is you want to do with your life. Number three, If you are doing what you love, but you work 60 to 70 hours a week, ask yourself if it's worth it. Problem solve. Can you still do what you love, but do it on your own terms? Number four, ask yourself if there's a problem you encounter over and over, like Sarah did with athletes. This indicates a gap in the market. Number five, ask how you can make a big impact and serve the people you see as your tribe. How can you solve their problem? Sarah's tribe was college athletes or students who wanted to be college athletes. After working in the field, she was able to identify their biggest struggles and create a solution. Number six, look up your Enneagram with a free test. This may explain why you do things the way you do or why you interact the way you do with people. It's very eye-opening and I put a link on my um, website, HopeThePA.com. Number Sarah, Number seven, Sarah took a job in corporate America because she was stuck and needed to give herself time and space to breathe and dream. If we are totally overwhelmed, we can't dream. Sometimes taking a job completely out of your area of expertise will give you the time to make changes and to help clear your vision, even if it's not your quote unquote forever job. Number eight, time management isn't managing time, it's managing energy. Work on your hardest projects during key time slots when your energy is highest. Number nine, embarking on your own can mean freedom, but it also means giving up job security. Number 10, find a support community, whether it's your family or hiring a business coach or finding an online community. Number 11, believe in yourself. Money is energy. Investing in yourself financially creates more energy to move you forward in a positive direction. Number 12, ask yourself, what would it look like to dream bigger? Think beyond the walls of where you're currently living and working. A lateral move is easier than taking a big leap, but ask yourself if you're not dreaming big enough. And lastly, constantly ask yourself, what's your next move? How can I grow? The key is taking small steps, but keep moving forward. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast, Recharting Your Life with Hope. Everything I discuss in this show reflects my own views and opinions and not those of my employer. Although I'm a physician assistant in my real life, any advice or tips you hear on this show should not be used as medical advice. If you like what you hear, come on over to hopethepa.com or follow me on Instagram at pa.